0: Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron White, your host, and this is Feeling Film Podcast. You're listening to a new episode of FF Plus, where I bring you new release reviews that are simple, short, and spoiler free. I also like to get right into things, and we have three films to talk about today, so we'll get started. The first one is Cocaine Bear from Universal Pictures. It stars Kerry Russell, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Christian Covenry, Alden Ehrenreich, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Brooklyn Prince, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., Christopher Hivju, Hannah Hoekstra, Margot Martindale, and the late Ray Liotta. It is directed by Elizabeth Banks and written by Jimmy Warden. Cinematography is by John Gulasarian and music by Mark Mothersball. It runs 95 minutes and is rated R for bloody violence and gore, drug content and language throughout. What's it about? An oddball group of cops, criminals, tourists, and teens converges in a Georgia forest, where a 500-pound black bear goes on a murderous rampage after unintentionally ingesting cocaine. Before we get started with the film itself, I just want to give some props to Universal Pictures, who, for the past several months, going back to, I believe, Violent Night, has really been on their A-game with regards to the film still that is put on the screen when you're attending a press screening, or I guess in many cases, these are public screenings. So if you're not familiar with this, maybe you don't live in a big city, but many large markets have the ability for just anyone out there to go and see a movie a few days early. Many of the press screenings that I myself attend have an element of The public to them you can get these tickets on sites like gofobo and some other ones and you can come and see a film you know a few days early well what universal has done is they've kind of started making this typical still screen and, and oftentimes historically they'll have you know nowadays they'll have the social media information and they'll have like a little snapchat filter sometimes that you can you know snap on your phone and like play with while you're sitting there in the theater waiting for the movie to start But Universal has made these actually animated and has put music behind them. So, for example, the Cocaine Bear one has like the sound of the woods and some birds chirping. And then every once in a while, you'll get like a ramp up of energy and maybe a rap song will start or you'll hear some crazy lines of dialogue from the movie. Or the Cocaine Bear animation itself will like blast across the screen in a cloud of bursting cocaine It's pretty cool, to be honest, and it makes waiting for the movie a lot more enjoyable and interesting than just sitting there bored for 45 minutes staring at Blackness or the same still on the screen. So props to Universal for doing that. They've also done it with Megan and Knock at the Cabin recently as well, but you're here to learn about the movie. As you would expect, Cocaine Bear. This movie is about a bear that eats cocaine based on a true story. The true story went very differently. The bear actually ate the cocaine and then died pretty much right away. Didn't go on a rampage, didn't hurt anyone. So this bear is actually being quite slandered. If you would think about it that way, his reputation is being sullied by this movie. It is falsely representing this poor bear. What actually happened is he ate like $2 million of cocaine and then Every single organ and every single system in his body failed simultaneously and he died. Probably in pain, they say. And then later, he was stuffed by a taxidermist and put on display in a mall. (laughs) Quite the different story than you're going to see in this film. This is really trying to follow the B movie type of formula. It's all about the craziness of the hook, of the bear eating cocaine and going nuts. And whenever the bear is on screen, it absolutely rocks. It's fun. It's very hilarious. Oftentimes, the bear does silly things. The bear does terrifying things. And usually, you find yourself kind of rooting for the bear, for the most part. Also, it gets increasingly gory the further it goes. So, what starts off, you know, here and there with a little bit of blood eventually leads to body parts being separated from the body. And then ultimately, it just gets worse and worse and worse to the point where by the end, there was a scene that legitimately had me wanting to like cover my eyes because it felt like something out of a horror movie, like a, a very dark slasher movie in the in a way that I would not enjoy. But that's what this movie is. Those scenes are enjoyable for what they are. They have that appropriate wow factor and the bear is animated well looks cool and it's fun to imagine what would happen if a bear got really really high and went nuts in this forest trying to essentially the plot is that the bear sniffs or eats some cocaine kind of becomes addicted to it and then he is going around the forest trying to Find the remaining cocaine essentially is like any. The, the people are converging on the forest to find the cocaine, and the bear is there, and so he is being attracted to wherever the cocaine is because he wants more. Because, like anybody who does drugs, like cocaine, you typically can't just stop once you've had one time. Unfortunately, everything else about this movie pretty much sucks <laughs> outside of the moments when the bear is on screen, and you would imagine. Those are not frequent. You know, it's actually a decent amount of screen time, I will say, but there's a lot of packed in fluff in between that because you got to keep the budget down, the bare CGI, et cetera. The characters in this movie and the script they just don't do it for me. And it's really unfortunate because, for example, I'm a huge fan of O'Shea Jackson Jr. Just absolutely love him in practically everything he's been in. But he's so wasted here as this super generic character. And the whole movie, he's paired in almost like a buddy cop situation with Alden Ehrenreich. This is Alden Ehrenreich's first movie, I think, since Solo. But like, he is terrible. Maybe not acting. He's probably acting the way he was directed to act. But the character is just not enjoyable at all. Not interesting at all. There, everybody in this movie is completely one note. There is no, there's no layers to anybody. It feels like the writing room got together and said to themselves, what kind of weird group of people would it be interesting to see a bear tear apart or a bear hunt down or interact with the bear in some way? And then we'll take all of these different ideas of different types of people and we'll throw them together and we'll try and write a story backwards that makes sense for them to be there at the same time. And it just doesn't work. There, there's so much about this that is a failure in comedy. It's got moments here and there. I, I can't tell you that it doesn't because I definitely laughed out loud. Mostly my laughs and my enjoyment were when the bear was there. But there are a few scenes scattered in between. Where you're like, oh, ha, ha, But mostly, it was the crowd driving that because there was such an energy to this wildly raucous crowd when you're seeing a ridiculous movie of this type. So, you know, that's going to be my recommendation right off the top: is that if you're going to go see it in a theater, you want to see it with as many people as possible. It will enhance your experience so much more than if you're just like watching it at home by yourself because the concept is satisfyingly interesting. Elizabeth Banks just fails to elevate it into anything memorable whatsoever. The rest of these characters, like, I don't remember anyone's name. Carrie Russell is in this movie. I love Carrie Russell. She has a moment towards the end of the film that has serious badass energy to it. And I just wish that that could have been what we got from her the entire movie. Everyone feels supremely like a caricature, but not in a way that is memorable or even hardly enjoyable. It's just not that fun. And I wish that they had gone more over the top to make this be memorable. It feels like they were trying to kind of walk the line between true B-movie and something that maybe had a little bit more of that class to it. And just it just unfortunately ends up being so much unrealized potential. I don't know what else to say about this movie. There is not a lot to talk about plot-wise, character-wise. It's unfortunate. It's a decent time. But this is the kind of movie that I thought would be something that I would want to rewatch over and over. Like I I was excited and looking forward to having a film that went so hard and was so funny and so crazy and so stupid that it became like a cult classic. But you're not going to get that with Cocaine Bear. It's essentially just one good joke. The bear eats cocaine and it wears its welcome out pretty quickly. Um, And then that's all you're left with. So Cocaine Bear will be in theaters on February the 24th. My recommendation, it's weird because I'm probably going to give this a Rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, but... I will say if you're going to go see this, you do go see it in the theater with as many people as possible as I mentioned earlier. But if you're looking for this to be the kind of crazy that turns everything up to 11 and is super entertaining with memorable characters, you're wasting your time and you probably can skip it and go find something else. Next up, we have Jesus Revolution from Lionsgate. It stars Joel Courtney, Anna Grace Barlow, Jonathan Rumi, Kimberly Williams-Paisley, and Kelsey Grammer. It is directed by John Irwin and Brent McCorkle. It is written by John Gunn and John Irwin, and is based on the book of the same name by Greg Laurie and Ellen Santilli Vaughan. Its cinematography is by Akis Constantakopoulos, and its music is by Brent McCorkle. It runs 120 minutes and is rated PG-13 for strong drug content involving teens and some thematic elements. What's it about? The true story of a national spiritual awakening dubbed the Jesus Movement by Time Magazine in the early 1970s and its origins within a community of teenage hippies in Southern California. Now, this is going to be a little bit of a less structured review from me because I'm coming to this in a very personal way. Uh, This being a faith-based film, specifically a Christian film, something that is Very impactful in my life and has been since I was a young child. And so I'm always, I want to be very careful about how I critique Christian films, um, but I want to be fair and I want to talk about this as a movie, but also with relation to how I do most movies, but even more so this one, how it made me feel and how it impacted my spirit. The story at first really, and for the most part throughout the film, parallels this. Christian hippie minister named Lonnie frisbee he's played by Jonathan Rumi, who also plays Jesus Christ in a very popular Christian TV series called the Chosen. and it follows him showing up and in Southern California, he is trying to bring about change within the hippie culture. He believes that that lifestyle, the drugs, etc is all about trying to find God and he comes into contact with Pastor Chuck Smith, played really wonderfully, I thought, by Kelsey Grammer. He does a fantastic job in this role. And Pastor Chuck Smith is stuck in the old ways. His congregation is very anti-hippie. They see them as dirty, as drug addicts, and strung out, and not people to be associated with. Whereas Lonnie wants to help Pastor... Chuck Smith bring about change within the community in a way that helps people break out of this hippie lifestyle and find Jesus in their search for truth. The parallel that I was mentioning is the life of Greg Laurie, so it's sort of a biopic in a sense because we're following his past as well. He's a budding artist. He's in high school. We learned pretty early on that there are issues. His mom. You know, raised him largely as a single parent, some abandonment potentially in his past from his father. That all comes out later in the film. The details do and helps to inform what really is a story overall, I think, thematically, about how eventually everyone leaves. And of course, how Jesus doesn't. That's a big message here that is being relayed. It's an enjoyable movie, and I and I think from a faith-based perspective, this is probably one of the better put-together films that I've seen. It's shot nicely. It has solid performances across the board. There's not a lot of what you would maybe consider to be B-level acting. I mean, we're not talking about movie stars here, but everyone does an appropriate job in the role that they have. And the dialogue is not nearly as schmaltzy as you might be worried that it would be. It has a wonderful soundtrack of 60s and 70s era music and a fantastic aesthetic. The costuming, the location design, like it looks like you're in Southern California in this time period. So they did a really good job of making it feel like a movie, even scene by scene. It doesn't Feel like you're just moving from a preaching moment to another preaching moment. It genuinely has like a story feel about these characters and what might or might not happen to them. But it also definitely has that vibe of a faith based story and tone working through and working up to various moments in the movie where it wants you to feel something and it wants you to be inspired and in awe of the potential community that following Jesus can bring about. This was a huge cultural moment, and I think that they did a good job of capturing it. As a Christian, I feel like its message is mostly just preaching to the choir at best, though, and maybe misleading at worst. I cannot deny the memories and the feelings that this evoked in me, both emotionally and spiritually from definite experiences that i've had in my life very similar to what we see in this film we see tent revivals we see lonnie walk up to people in this tent and say to them i'm getting this feeling that maybe you are in pain and you've had xyz occur in your life and they're like yes that's true and then he supposedly heals them i've seen the way that this progression happens, the way that churches change the style of their music to become more comfortable for people of a younger audience, to be more theatrical, to be more of a spectacle. I've, I've been in all stages of churches from bare bones, small startup home church, all the way up to thousands and thousands of people in a megachurch. And I see the gamut here in this movie in a way. Um, And I'm reminded of what that felt like and how it's undeniable some of the things I've seen. I've seen miracles. I have literally seen things happen in front of my eyes that I cannot explain. And I have felt the power of what I believe is Jesus and the spirit in a room. And this movie captures that very well, I think. But like Greg Laurie in this movie worries when he first hears about this before he's a Christian himself, he asks as just another hippie, what if this is just another high? And sadly, I feel like while the movie does nail all of this feeling of coming together as part of Christ's family and the Jesus-like ideals of how we should be open to all types, how we should want to love others, there is absolutely no mention here whatsoever of the cost involved. There's nothing shown of people after they've magically been saved. And baptized in a lake. Everyone is just coming to this. There are numbers growing. And that's all we really deal with. We don't talk about the requirement to walk away from sin and the change in the way that people have to live in order to meet what God is requiring of them. And so it's just people showing up, being overwhelmed by a feeling and signing up for more of this particular drug which I feel like is a big miss from a faith-based standpoint. And so it's still a very engaging historical representation of this impactful moment in time. And I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the stories. I enjoyed learning a little bit about how this revolution started, but it's kind of empty because it doesn't actually hold weight when it comes to showing people what it means to be a part of this. And that just kind of frustrates me because I, I it makes me wonder what the point is. Like, I guess, again, when I, I went back and I said preaching to the choir, Christians who live through this, I think are gonna be like, yes, yes, this is great. This is how it was, but that's because we get it. We've already bought into the the reality of what the cost is. And this is trying to separate the Jesus revolution and to specifically compare and then contrast it with. The hippie lifestyle of drugs like that is a constant that keeps coming back and back and back. And so for them to not break these things apart and really specify that Jesus is more than just a high, I just I feel like that's a problem. So I thought it was good. I think it's worth seeing, but I th- you need to have this knowledge in hand. And this is not a movie you're going to go share with someone to necessarily be a witnessing tool unless you're ready to back it up with a strong conversation. And in that regard, I think that does have some great value because it is a movie that you could potentially do that with. If you have someone that if you're a Christian yourself and you're wanting to share that information with someone in your life, you could watch this together and then you could back up what they've seen with more of the reality that it's not just all warm, fuzzy and that life is going to throw struggles at you. Because no one in this movie really struggles. Very, very minor. And what they do struggle, they overcome it like in the blink of an eye, right? It is very, very sanitized in that way. And I think, as a person myself who is a believer and who has just struggled like mightily in my recent years with the church and the reputation of the church and Frankly, all the baggage that comes with just trying to call myself a Christian these days, the presumptions that come with that, I need more than just a rah-rah kind of, yeah, Jesus is just all right with me story. He is, and I still believe, and and that's not the point of this review, of course, but uh, it's important to talk about this. And I think it's a very good movie. Uh, as far as the way it's made, I think that it's uh, solid in all ac- all across the board. But I think that there are these points that I've brought up that are important to be called out as well. So, Jesus Revolution available in theaters on February the twenty fourth. Check it out if you're so inclined. Last but not least, Creed three from United Artists releasing. Starring Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, Jonathan Majors, Wood Harris, Mila Davis-Kent, Florian Monteneau, and Felicia Rashad. It is directed by Michael B. Jordan, his directorial debut, and it is written by Keenan Kugler and Zach Balin, with additional story by Ryan Kugler and based, of course, on characters by Sylvester Stallone. The cinematography is by Kramer Morgenthau, and the music is by Joseph Shirley. It runs 116 minutes and is rated PG-13 for intense sports action, violence, and some strong language. What's it about? Adonis has been thriving in both his career and family life, but when a childhood friend and former boxing prodigy resurfaces, the face-off is more than just a fight. Creed 3 may not be a knockout boxing movie like its two predecessors, but it still lands plenty of dramatic power punches outside of the ring. It's always tough to close out a beloved sports character like this, and if this was to be the end of Adonis's Cre- if this was to be the end of Adonis Creed's story, it would be one that I find very fulfilling. Although I'm afraid that it's unlikely this will in fact be the end, which is what I was hoping going into it. We'll talk a little bit about that later here as well. The movie opens up in the past, in 2002, and gives us an introduction to young Adonis and his Golden Glove champion friend named Dame. This story leads up to a fateful incident that will end up propelling the antagonist forward uh, throughout the film. Shortly thereafter, in the present, Creed has a fight. He ends up retired, and We get to see him trying to settle into the very typically challenging life of an athlete with nothing to train for himself, who is instead trying his hand at managing the next generation of great boxers and also fight promotion a little bit, a la Don King. He is bugging his wife, who is also trying to embark on a little bit of a change in career as well, trying to preserve her hearing by moving more into the role of a producer versus a performer. So both are in a place where they have had to give up the thing that they truly love to do and are working through very realistic family scenario of how do you go about doing that? And how do you go about doing that with a young child? The, I guess, elementary aged is about what she seems. Daughter Amara, played wonderfully by deaf actress Amyla Davis-Kent. I mean, seriously, she steals every single scene she's in. She's fantastic. They seem to be mostly thriving, though Creed struggles with communicating his feelings. And he also is having to navigate this young child who is starting to pick up on his fighting spirit in ways that may not be all that healthy. I honestly can't say enough good things, though, about Mila Davis, Kent, and also the continued representation of the deaf community in Hollywood. Recently, from film to TV, I love that actors who aren't deaf are learning sign language to make sure that it feels authentic as well to viewers who are deaf themselves. And while I... Do hope or wish that the Creed series would end here. If it does go on, I would say look for it to follow Amara's character because of where she ends up and what her interests seem to be in this story. I think that could be an interesting place to explore, and I wouldn't be completely against it if they do something with her in the future. Unfortunately for the Creed family, enter Older Dame, played by Jonathan Majors in yet another absolutely terrific physical and emotional performance. He is fresh out of prison and looking to get back into the ring and prove his worth. He immediately disrupts the picture perfect existence that Creed has built, throwing his life and post fighting career into chaos and flaunting dark secrets that Adonis prefers to stay buried. Remember I mentioned earlier that whole struggling to communicate thing? There are things that he should have told his wife by now, but he has been unable to do so. And this also generates a little bit of struggle between he and his mother as well in a time that she is fighting her own battle of health. The confrontation throughout the film between Creed and Dame is much more than a physical one. Dame wants and feels owed what Adonis has accomplished due to their experience as children. But how far do you go to help an old friend? What parts of your reputation are you willing to risk? And what's the cost that doesn't go down the way that you're hoping it does? The opening scene that I mentioned really set the stage, I thought, because it helps us buy into their childhood ties. They genuinely felt like friends. and. When we switch to the older versions played by Michael B. Jordan and Majors, those two actors and their exceptional talent really makes this relationship cook. It's a unique kind of opposition that drives the story into the ring this go-around. For the first time, giving our boxing hero a pre-existing relationship and history with someone that he could potentially end up having to fight. And it's very satisfying and carries a personal weight that Many of the other confrontations in this very long series have not, in my opinion. I was, however, a bit let down by some blatantly unacceptable actions that are taken by the antagonist that go completely unchallenged in the end. And I, and I also feel like there are a few interesting thematic ideas brought up between Adonis and Bianca that never get fully settled either. I think the script could have used some fine tuning. But I did thoroughly enjoy all of the main performances and the individual dramatic moments, as well as where they allow our characters, especially the three in the Creed family themselves, to be emotionally and mentally when the final bell has rung. As for the boxing action, I expect this to be somewhat divisive, and I would not be surprised if I'm in the minority. So go ahead and take everything I'm about to say with a big, giant grain of salt. MBJ chooses to shoot everything phenomenally up close in the three major fights that we see, but also with a healthy dose of stylization and slow motion in particular. It's a very dynamic visual style that sets apart this directorial effort from the two films and really the entire series that came before. The scenes look stunning, and the sound design and the choreography make This some truly brutal action. But something about them feels so incredibly staged that it kept me at a distance. So while it was solid, none of the fights were able to reach the height of anything in the previous two films for me, unfortunately. I say that purely to try and express that this entire film doesn't feel as much like a sports movie as most in the series have. In all the fights, The championship belts are practically inconsequential as a driving force. It's much more about the character drama going on. And while they have their thrilling moments in the ring, they simply didn't deliver the top notch kind of sports movie feeling that had me invested and engaged, cheering and deeply caring who won, ready to jump out of my seat and pump my fist in the air if our hero emerged victorious. Even the training montages. With the exception of one amazing shot of Jonathan Majors climbing some ropes, seriously, this guy is absolutely unbelievably in shape. It is crazy. His body is just a masterpiece. Anyway, the montages, I'm getting distracted. They were a big letdown to me and lacked the intensity and the memorable musical backing of many that have come before. I absolutely love the Creed series overall, though, and I think that the first two films are still close to as perfect of a duo as you can get. I was pleased by this third entry, and I think that it presents a genuinely interesting new problem for Adonis to work through, along with a cast of characters that I fully enjoyed getting to know and spend time with, but I'd be lying if I said that I didn't wish it had more of that magic that my favorite sports movies do. Still, if you're a Creed and or a Rocky fan, you got to see this regardless. And those boxing scenes will go absolutely hard in IMAX especially. It is worth a trip to the theater for sure. This film will be in theaters on March the 3rd, and I highly recommend that that is the way that you see it. With a loud, even raucous crowd, this is going to be a good time. Just understand you're really going to get a lot more drama than even the second film had to offer. So it's been a little bit of an arc, I would say, where the first film is much more traditional sports movie mix of drama and fighting. And then the second movie, which is much longer than this, by the way, offers you uh, a lot of drama, a little bit less fighting, but really impactful fights. And then this, for me, is even heavier on the drama, but really great drama and just okay fights. Well, that's it this week for FF Plus. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please share us with your friends, share us with your family, share us with your social media, random acquaintances, share us everywhere, because that's how we bring new people to the podcast. And it's much appreciated uh, as well. If you're enjoying the show, feel free to drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with some kind words and a review or a five-star on Spotify, or a review, or whatever, you happen to listen to the show, that is something that we're very thankful for as well, and always love to engage with people on social media, so look us up using the accounts. You can find links to all that stuff in the show notes of every episode. We would love to chat. Last but not least, don't forget to check out all the other great shows on our network, Now Playing Network. You can find all of them at nowplayingnetwork.net. I'll be back soon. Until then, keep watching and keep feeling filled.